Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, would you increasingly move us in our lives that you are our one desire, that your face is all that we seek. Jesus, we need you more and more and more. And today, as we open your word, would you reveal to us truth and help us to embrace it and to live it, that we might live in your freedom, that we might live in your ways, and that we might honor you. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, um, if you will, we'll be in 2 Timothy um, 3 this morning, 2 Timothy 3, and so you can follow on the screens. There's a Bible, should be in the front of the seat ahead of you, or if you have your own, turn there with me. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17 is where we'll be this morning. And as you turn there, um, I'm going to get a, a stand here. I'm just going to move some microphones. Mess them up. Here we go. Um, you know, it's funny, Mother's Day, uh, it, it brings a lot of emotions. I, I know that's true for many. Some, some here, maybe you've never been able to have children. Um, maybe, maybe some in the room, you've, you've had children, and there's heartache maybe around your children right now where they are in their life, or, or maybe multiple other scenarios. You know, <laughs> they said, raise your hand, you know, and honor your mom today, and you, maybe any of you thought... My mom's not here anymore. And there's all kinds of emotions around it. To be honest, this morning I was thinking, and um, many of you know my, my, my brother Mark passed away in December this last year, and it's, it's been a hard day thinking about my mom, you know, and this is, I'm going to cry, so here we go. Uh, you know, it's the first Mother's Day without one of her boys, and, um, you know, it, it can be hard. I think that that last song is actually more profound than we know. The, the Christian faith, there's something so profound in it. See, we have this thing that we do. I just did it, right? We turn to the temporary so quick. And the temporary things of this world, it says over and over Scripture, they're, they're fading. They don't last forever. The word in 2 Corinthians is it's transient. Here one minute and gone the next. Everything in this world is that way. But we tend to forget that, and we think that basically this world is put together pretty well, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good for us, it's going to take care of us, that this world really isn't broken, that there's not difficulty or challenge, and the Christian life, really, if we live it out really, really good, we're just going to live happy without any issue. It's not true, right? Death and decay, they're all around us all the time. Whether we like it or not, it's there. Heartache and despair, it's, it's always at our fingertips, but oh, there's this great hope. And, and if, if you've forgotten the gospel this morning, just let me tell you really quick, there's really, really great hope. There's really good news, and that is that Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb, all through the Old Testament, there was these lambs that were slain because there was this major issue we had in our life and in the world and humanity, and there was a brokenness, and there needed to be a purification for our sins. And so they went through these rituals, and they would slay lambs, bulls, goats, all kinds of animals, pigeons, all kinds of things. And they would shed blood, and they would sprinkle the blood, and the blood would signify 
purification, but it wasn't enough. There needed to be a perfect lamb, one unstained, untainted from this world, and he came. His name is Jesus Christ, and he lived a perfect life. He died the death on the cross that we deserved. He was buried in a tomb. He rose from the dead, and his purification for sin was done once and for all. The perfect lamb was slain on behalf of us, and he ascended to on high, and he reigns and rules there today, then, today, and forever. And this, this gospel, we sang it in that song, that he might be our one desire that I want to glorify him, I want to honor him more than anything else in this world. Lord, whether you give or you take away, whatever might happen, though the, if the mountains crumble, if the seas, uh, whatever happens, that I love him and I want to live my life for him and his glory. What we do so quickly, so often, is we begin to just turn everything inward We begin to think about our circumstance, our trial, our situation, and we stop in many ways of looking outward and saying, God, I've had some stuff happen in my life. My life hasn't come together perfectly how you would want, how I would want it. But all that I know is I want to be used for you, for your name, for your glory, in whatever situation I find myself. I I promise you this, God is more concerned about you and where you are today than where you were yesterday. God wants to deal with us in the present. And in the present, the the title of today's sermon is Legacy, It's Yours. And literally, the idea of legacy is this thing, this, this thing that we leave behind with our life. Our legacy is important. Our legacy can be left behind in many, many ways, far greater than children. You know, I I always joke and say that the great experiment of the Johnston household has not been quite realized yet, right? Parenting, every, every, every home that has parents and children, the ones we all grew up in, mine was like an explosive experiment. I had four, three older brothers, like, you know, like babysitters came once and never came back. That was kind of where I grew up. That was our experiment at home. And so, so, and that is actually a true story. We would like tell them there was ghosts in the basement and we'd hit bats on the floor and all kinds of things like these. And uh, it was bad, uh, my poor mother. And so, uh, and so, so there is this, but, but, but our life is far greater than this. Some of the greatest investments we'll make are not flesh and blood, but they're of our spiritual family. They're, they're investing in giving away that which God has placed inside of us. And legacy, and two ways to think about legacy is, one, there's a legacy that's been passed on to those of us that are sitting in this room. Somebody has given us something in order to move forward with our faith in our life. But not only is legacy something that has been given to us, but it's something that we give away to someone else. And so, so legacy is something that moves from generation to generation. And so it, really the big idea of 2 Timothy is Paul is at the end of his life and he looks at Timothy and he says, okay, dude. It's yours. Take off and live this out because I'm about done and it's yours to run now. And I think the challenge for us today would be legacy. It's yours. What are you going to do? What are we going to do with what we have been given? It's the ultimate question. One of the ultimate questions of our life. What will we do with what we've been entrusted? 
Paul will say it like this, guard the good deposit that has been placed in you. What has been given, guard it and give it away. So let's read together 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17 reads, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, eight things there, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in, at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In this passage, we're just going to look at three main things as we, as we study it deeper this morning. The first, and maybe to put in context for us, what, one of the first things that we see within kind of this Paul-Timothy relationship, again, we said there's legacy left, um, but, but there's more involved here. Remember that, that in, in these men, um, nothing meant more to them than Jesus. Paul will say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Paul will encourage Timothy, suffer for Christ, live for Christ. Don't be timid in your faith. Live this out. It's the most diligent things that you can find in this world. An athlete, work diligently like an athlete, like a farmer. Work diligently. I mean, he'll use all these illustrations to say, Timothy, live this thing out. Live and love Jesus more than anything else in, our, in your life. And so this morning isn't like, sorry, I probably won't ever give one of these, like a quaint Mother's Day message, okay? Where we're just happy. I mean, be, what, what, what this text is, and what we're going to say all the time here, is that Jesus is everything. And if Jesus isn't your everything, it is what we must move to. Because if we don't, our faith will never be realized. It will never be lived out. If we have other idols, if we have other affections, if we have other things that are greater than Jesus, we will always end up somewhere other than where God wants us. Amen? All right. So, that's just like front end. We've got to deal with that right? So the first thing that we see is he's, he's, he's kind of challenging Timothy here and challenging us to allow others to impact your life. He's affirming that he has allowed this to happen in his life and to Timothy. And, and for us, I think it's a challenge to allow others to impact your life. Now, one of the number one things that, we ha that has to be present in order for others to impact our lives, in order for us to allow others to impact our life, it's a real simple thing, it's called humility. Humility is a very simple thing, but it's a very challenging thing. And all the guys said, amen, right? It's, you know, like this telltale thing of us guys. Like, you know, we don't stop and ask for directions, which is, there's a simple reason for that. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. We, we really don't need them. Um, that was one of the reasons. Um, <clears throat> I can tell a lot of bad stories about me getting lost. And so... Uh, that's how you get to, when you move somewhere new, that's always my excuse is, well, I'm just getting to know the area, right? That's how you, you learn. And so, um, 
So humility, this, this humility at, at the very root. And so if in you, you know there's pride, just so you know, you are going to make very little spiritual progress. Because pride always, 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 always works against spiritual growth. Humility. Make yourself like Jesus, who, first thing it says, humbled himself, Philippians 2. Humility is like a core attribute of the Christian faith. And so, allow others to impact our life. It says here, you, you have followed my, and he says eight things. You've followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. What he's saying here is, Timothy, you've set your eyes not on what you want, but you've been a learner. And in you, in taking a posture of a learner, what has happened? You have, you have been faithful, and it's brought endurance in your life. It's brought greater faith and belief in the power and the sovereignty of God in your life. And Paul had encouraged Timothy not to just live a happy life, but to live a holy life and to surrender all of himself to the Father. And what Paul was in Timothy's life was not just this man who kind of had a good influence on his life. He was a man who had a deep impact, and literally almost all of who this man was, we'll see in a minute, there were some other influencers in his life, maybe some others that had impacted his life. But, but almost all that he was, was was seen by this man who had invested in him. And so when you think about your own life, when we think about our own lives, influence and impact. Now, some ways we, we might think that those, you know, what's the difference? I, I would say that influence and impact are very, very different things. Influence is someone, um, <clears throat> I remember when I was a kid, my parents would say this, this kid, and I understand this more now as a parent myself, they would say, you cannot hang out with David Young anymore. Whenever you're with David, you get in trouble, right? The problem was they didn't take me out of school, and so David and I got eight hours a day together, in which we had multiple times, Bud McRae or Principal McRae would come over the intercom and say, would Ryan Johnston and David Young please come to the office? Where I would ensue, and he would say, Ryan, call your mother and tell her what you've done. And so I'd call my mom, and I'd say, hey, mom, I did this. And I'd hand the phone back to the principal. And my mom, I'm sure, was sitting at her desk going, what has just happened, right? This moment of astonishment. And so, so in this, David Young, he was an influencer in my life. And in some ways, it leaned into impact where it began to change and transform who I was and the way in which I lived. But, but I've had other influencers in my life. There's a, a ton of people that I've read, and I'll speak currently in my Christian life. There's a lot of people I've led. Many of you have influenced my life greatly by watching and observing your faith, seeing you in trial, seeing you in tr struggle, and seeing your faith and your gratitude and your love for the Lord, or watching you invest in others, or watching you have a heart and a burden and move into it, and how you've encouraged me in faith. You've influenced me. But, but I can tell you there's a few men that have deeply impacted my life. You haven't met all of them yet, but, but you've met some. Hopefully you'll get to meet all of them. But there's a man named Craig Joring. When I was 22 years old, Craig came alongside of me and began to tell me about what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to live a life of faith. I watched and observed as he modeled this as he lived his life. And Craig was there for me through all kinds of trials and struggles and all kinds of things early in my life. Then I met a man named Danny Sinkfield. Danny Sinkfield was a man who mentored me and watched me. If you would, were probably, if he, when he comes here to preach, he'll be like, oh, that's where Ryan gets that. Danny has greatly influenced my life from, from a 
from a moment. I mean, there's so many things. I can't even express to you the things that Danny has invested in and how he's impacted my life. And I think it's important for us to distinguish between two things in our life. We are going to have influencers in our life, but don't settle for influencers. We should put our life up next to people who are going to deeply impact us for the glory of God and for the purposes of the kingdom. And the question is, are you surrounding your life with those two things? People that influence is good for, hopefully, the good and the glory of God. And are you putting, are there people in your life that are impacting, that are pushing you on, that you look a little bit like them in the faith? We see this was the model of Jesus, and we see this reciprocated in the apostles. And it's true for us, even to this day, that we have people that are influencing us toward the good. Now, we also know there's a ton of influences in our life that are not for the good and glory of God. The great thing you can do is just kill those things in your life. Like, shut the TV off, right? Whatever those influences are that you need to do, I don't know what that is for you. We, we, we push them out, and there may be some people that are deeply impacting our life that we really need to say, hey, you're not good for me. This isn't a healthy relationship for me because you're not moving me for the good and the glory of God in my own life. And so when we think about these influencers and impactors in our life, we must make a choice to be impacted that I might live for, for the future, for the next generation. Again, legacy, it's yours. Let's pass on something worthwhile and of depth and of substance to the generations that God will give us, maybe naturally, but I, I would say even bigger than that, spiritually, that we might have spiritual children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. You know, that's possible in the faith. I can see a legacy far beyond the years of a natural leg legacy spiritually. Are you with me? I mean, it's incredible to think of the impact that we could have in others' lives. But we can't short-circuit it. We can't, there's no quick way around of me humbling myself and looking to others to be invested in that I might make an impact with my life. The second thing we see is he's calling him to build your life on the foundations of the faith. To build our life upon the foundations of the faith. Now, we know this is true, that there are these basic things. In almost any tool or any trade or anything, there's these basics that you never really get away from. Now, growing up for me, I grew up on a farm, and <clears throat> so there were certain tools that I learned. And so when I went to college, I worked construction. It was an easy job, and I could kind of work any crew because I learned to work. And there's these core things I learned. The first was how to work a hammer. Now, I don't know if you know this. But there is an actual skill to working a hammer. And so if you grab like really close to the head, and when you hit a nail, you kind of go like this. That's not, like you don't know how to work a hammer, right? You got to use the leverage of the thing. You got to get as far down as you can. You just got to learn to like swing that thing, right? And the nail goes in fast. You know, like, like I remember one time, I was, this, I was pretty good at running a hammer. I worked on a lot of roofs. It was like at, at maybe two, three hits, done, right? It's good. Right, because there was a skill I learned. If you can run a shovel, right, that's another thing. It doesn't sound like a great skill or a craft, but if you can run a shovel, if you can run a hammer, and if you can use a tape measure, you're pretty much going to be useful at some level, at least in the rough side of construction, which is all I can really do. And so <clears throat> don't ask me to do your trim or anything else like that. It'll just have big hammer dents in it. <clears throat> And so there, there's these core things, and for your job or for whatever your craft has been, you could boil down, if you have these skills, these skills are going to be the foundations that you do day in and day out, and, if you, and the people that don't have those skills, right, are the ones that aren't very good at it. Like if you're a teacher and you hate kids, 
right? That, that's a skill you really need to teach children, right? So you should probably stop doing that and find something outside of the kid world, right? And so there's these core things that we can boil all these things down to, but that's true for the Christian faith also. And so he's, he's going to encourage him, build your life. And, and what he's going to say to Timothy is, you've done this. You've built your life on the foundations of the faith. And he's going to say, continue on in what you have learned. And so he's had this past learning, and what he's doing is affirming him here. Now, again, this is Paul's like deathbed letter. This is it. This is going to be the end of the road for Paul, the last recorded writing that we have. And what he's going to say is, continue on. He's encouraging him in what you have learned, in, in the past, in the foundations of what you have. Continue on in what you have firmly believed. And what do we know that Timothy has firmly believed? He's believed in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in believing this, this is the very foundation that, that Timothy loves Jesus more than he loves his own life. He loves Jesus more than he loves his own family. He loves Jesus more than anything else. And he's saying what you have firmly, and that word firmly is really important. This isn't something kind of loose or haphazard for him. But this is something in which he is rooted in, that he believes to the death. And we can't really <clears throat> run around that in the scriptures. I know the first time I had to deal with this was when I was sending someone's daughter to China to a very difficult place, like two that we commissioned this morning. And I had to ask myself the question, am I willing to send someone's, someone else's daughter to die for the sake of the gospel? And just so you know, my answer is yes. Because I had to ask myself the question in multiple places that I've gone in the world, Am I willing to give my very own life for the sake of the gospel? It's not just some flippant thing that we can answer. It's a real question. And maybe we won't really know until we're asked. But it's still a real question that every believer, every person of faith must answer is, am I willing to give everything for Jesus? And so it says, continue on in what you have firmly believed knowing from whom you've learned it. Again, this is this humility and gratefulness, knowing, Timothy, you haven't learned all this on your own. This has been given to you. There is no self-made man or woman in this room, right? We can all look and be grateful for the investments and the people that God has placed in our life. So he's going to say, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And we look at this. This is 2 Timothy 1, 5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. There is this kind of moment. Here's my Mother's Day section, right? There is this moment in this of faith that has been passed on from a grandmother and a mother to a man named Timothy. And this man named Timothy would do significant things for the kingdom and for the gospel because of the faith of these women. There's a woman, her name is his Betty Johnston. And Betty was, came from a long line of Christians and her, her husband was not a believer. And she raised up her five children, my father, to love and know Jesus and live for Jesus. And I am grateful that there's a bit of Betty Johnston that has been invested inside of me. And there's a little bit of Nancy Johnston. It's my smile. I have my mom's smile. And many, many other things of an investment in my life and their love that they have passed on to me. But I would say this in Timothy, there are these influencers in his life or these women that impacted his life greatly. Never underestimate 
the power in which we have to influence others for the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of God. If the Apostle Paul's going to mention you as something good, you must have been something very, very, very special. And these, these women must have been very Lois and Eunice, which I really wanted my kids named, one of them named Eunice, but Deb was not down for that. So <laughs> whatever. <clears throat> Maybe we'll have another girl. So um, just kidding. We're good. So I got three. So um, it's not funny. Um, so... <laughs> All right, so he's going to say, Knowing from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, this isn't just some simple statement of, like, salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, like that he prayed a prayer way back. This has a, a much fuller meaning. What, what he's saying is, remember what you've done in the past that you have been saved, in the present, Timothy, that you are being changed and transformed, that not only God brought me salvation, but he's bringing me salvation, right? Because we're not perfect yet. I don't, I'm not. Timothy wasn't. That he was bringing him salvation and that one day when he dies and goes to see him face to face, that he will forever. And this is the idea for us, which makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This greater affection, this loving relationship with him is a recognition that he has changed me in the past, that he's changing me right now today. He is not dead. He is alive and he is working. And one day he will do it forever. And kind of now in that in-between, I'm moving closer to him that he might transform me more and more into his very own image. So legacy doesn't just happen. We work for it. The building blocks for faith are important through every season of life. We must never stop growing up in Jesus. And just so we're clear, it is never too late to make an impact and to change this world. I mean, read about Abraham. That dude was crazy old. And he had a very, this, this narrow season where God fulfilled his promises. If you ever think you're too worn out, you're too old, you've, you've had too messed up of a past where you can't, I'm telling you, these are the very people that God uses. I'm, God may set me up to do, do the greatest work in my life at 89, because that would be just like God to do something like that. So don't, don't ever think that you don't have a place or a part in the greatest work of your life I would guess is before you, is in front of you. And that's typically how God works things out. And so legacy, it doesn't just happen. It's something that we must work for in our lives. And so last, and the last thing we see is that, that he, he calls him. And, and this is really the central thing. If we're talking about the tools of the Christian life, here it is. He says, make the word of God the authority in your life. Make the word of God the authority in your life. He's going to say, all scripture is breathed out, God, out by God, profitable for. So this is beneficial for teaching. This is the baseline of your faith. It is for reproof. When you move from that baseline, it's for reproof to redirect us, to repent, that we might turn back into the ways of God. To, for reproof, for correction. Not, not just that I repent or that I make a redirection, but that I actually make a change in my life. That I stop going in that way and I start going in a new way. 
And then for training in righteousness, again, normalizing this, this truth again in my heart. And so these, this, there's an order in this, and it's an important order. The Word of God is for teaching, that it creates the baseline in which I live my life from. I'm not trying to kind of, like, fit my life. I'm not trying to, like, kind of morph these scriptures around what I want and what I desire, but I'm trying to morph my life around what the scriptures say and what it desires and what God desires for my life. This book is living and active. It reveals who God is, how he desires us to live. This book is authoritative, and it says in this text, all scripture is breathed out by God. Genesis 1 to Revelation, it is all authoritative. It is all all inspired. None of it is without truth. All of it is, is perfectly crafted for us. And so what it's saying is that I wrap my life around the scripture. And so the teaching again is the baseline. And then when I move out of the lines of what the scripture is called, this is a reproof. It is a repentance. This requires again humility to say that I've messed up, that I have sinned, and I need to change. And that for correction is I, I make that change in my life. And then for training in righteousness, this is a normalizing, again, of this truth that I have, I have given my life to live out. And then it says that the man of God, this person of deep faith, may be complete, right? may be complete, equipped for every good work. Every good work, every good thing we do is because God has revealed himself to us through his word and because we are obeying it and living it out in our lives. The word of God being authoritative in our lives. And so again, as we look at this, the call is to allow others to make an impact in our life. To build our life upon the foundations of the faith. And to make the word of God the authority in our life. One of the things that this text, and if you hear anything this morning, hear this. Everyone needs someone. Everyone needs someone. All of us need people to invest in our lives, to impact our lives, that we might be able to make, make an impact in this world for the glory of God and for his good works. Everybody needs somebody, even for this, with teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. I don't know about you, but I've got some blind spots in my life. I've got some things that I don't clearly see, and I need people that I live in community with that can say, hey, Ryan, I love you. And I've observed some things in your life that don't really look like what the scripture calls us to. And I, and I say, I, I didn't see those. And I, I begin to change the pattern and the way of my life because someone has seen me. And I, I allow the reproof to come in and I correct. And I begin to normalize a, a new truth that I'm trained in righteousness again. One of the things we talk about a lot here is community. Community is really important because the Christian life, it's another one of those things. It's like humility. If I don't have other people's, people, if I don't have other people, it's, it's just one of those things that the, the Christian life, it's like tires on a car. It just doesn't really work that well if I don't have it. And so these things are things I deeply need. And so in community, in community, these things come to fruition so in this text, what we see is a sincere, a sincere faith lived out, which equals legacy, faithfully saying, Paul is faithfully saying to Timothy, it's yours, now go and live it. For us this morning, God is calling us to move ahead, work out what we know, take our next step, 
Legacy is not something that probably most of us will ever even see or know with our own life. Who knows what kind of legacy Paul even thought about or knew that he was leaving. I would guess that he was just living faithful and he had no idea of what truly would come to be with his life. And so for us today, might we stop looking at all the temporary and the moving and the transient things around us, as I do, I mean, as I do, right, I cried in front of you this morning on stage. But what I do know is that Jesus reigns on high. I know my brother reigns on high with him. And I know that one day all of this world is going gonna, gonna to fall apart. It's not going to last. But the kingdom of God is forever. And the only way the kingdom of God is available is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is asking and requiring, the win for us in the day-to-day, is to be increasingly bringing all of our life underneath his authority. And I just ask you this morning, are you increasingly doing that in your own life? Are you allowing him to change you and transform you, to grow more and more to his image? And as you do that, put a day, a week, a month, a year, a few years, and I promise you this, you will look more and more like Jesus, and you will make an impact and leave a legacy that is far beyond anything you could ever dream or imagine, and that's what God wants to do with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your kindness toward us. Thank you for your word. Lord, we believe that you desire more for us than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. And so, Lord, would you use us for your kingdom, for your ways, for your purposes, for your glory. And, Lord, would you transform our lives. We believe today, Jesus. We believe that you desire to do a great work in and through us. We recognize that that this work is not our own, but it's yours. And we give ourselves to say, use us. Build us in the foundations of our faith. Build us in humility. Lord, help us to commit to the authority of your word and let it be what leads us and guides us in all things. And by this, Lord, we will bring you much honor and glory. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.